Welcome. This is the Sunday Sermon Podcast from Claycomo Baptist Church in Claycomo, Missouri. Today is August the 28th, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon winds down his so far year-long series on healthy habits with healthy habits, stewardship, taking care of it. And now we send it to Pastor Scott. What are those habits that God has set before us in his word to be incorporated into our lives to strengthen us to carry out the calling that he has given us? And we're at that point of kind of putting a concluding bow, though there's so much more that really could be said on the habit of stewardship. But today, as, as we gather, I want us to, to dive into this aspect of taking care of it. As you see on the screen, it is in quotation marks. And it's going to be some of those additional areas. We have talked the last couple of weeks of probably the two primary areas of stewardship. When we hear that word, we typically think of our treasure, our finances, or our time and, and that resource of our life in, in that aspect of how do we prioritize our schedule and how we do what we do when we do. And today what I want us to look at are some of those other categories that maybe are often either just kind of given a, a quick hat tip to and wave and walk on by uh, or areas that we may not have really thought of before. And so we begin by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start there. We will, as we have been in, in recent weeks, kind of in, in different aspects in different places. But that aspect of, uh, of diving in deep to the Christian faith and living to honor Christ in all that we do involves this aspect. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll be in verses 1 and 2. I'm going to start with verse 2. It says this, In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. That word manager, in, in some of your other translations, says stewards. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so that is the, the overarching context. I know there's a specific point Paul is making to the church at Corinth, but he steps back and says, when we start saying this is a stewardship from God, he says, we all understand what is asked of stewards, that they be found faithful. And so when he talks about our lives spiritually, as being a stewardship, that was a, something communicated in that day, and it really does for us. When we, when we think maybe more of managers, that's why the CSB goes with that word, we understand that we don't own it, God does. But we are given a responsibility to rightly handle and faithfully fulfill the calling that God has given us. And I want to begin... And for those of you who are here Wednesday night, you kind of got the trial run of this, and I just couldn't leave it for just our Wednesday night crowd. So you get to double dip on this first aspect as we talk about our stewardship. And it is, first of all, let's just say it plainly, I am a steward. Now, you say, Scott, we started with that about three weeks ago. You talked about the extent and, and, and who established our stewardship and, and these, these things along those lines. And we absolutely did. One thing we did not look at, we looked at the context to define stewardship. This morning, I want to look at that word that's right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That word manager is the word oikonomos. 
And if that sounds familiar, it, it should, or at least it has a ring of, of the, the, that's the noun form, the verb form is economia. And so when you kind of say it like that, it sounds like economy. And yes, that's the, where we get that English word. But here's my caveat. This is what I did Wednesday night. When we hear something like that, please don't do this. Please don't read back into this word that Paul used in this day, the English word that we get it, that we get from these words today. And I use this example. There's a word for the power and the power of the Holy Spirit in the Bible that is dunamis. And you say dunamis and the way it's spelled looks like dynamite. Yes, that would be a derivative we get. But please do not read back into the Bible that the Holy Spirit is God's dynamite. Please do not do that. Why? Dynamite is a destructive force. We blow stuff up with it. The Holy Spirit is not that. And so we don't want to do that. So when we look at it, we hear, I want to say, oh, people may be thinking, okay, I want you to set that aside. This is the economy. No, set that aside. When we are called stewards, biblically, it's a compound word, comes from two words in the Greek, oikos and namos. And, and I'm going to go with that. Some others have, there's another variant for the second word, but I'm going to stick with this one because I think it's right. Oikos is house. Namas is law. So how would we describe then a steward saying someone who is related to house law or house rules? And it would be like this. A steward is the one who is tasked to carry out the house rules and responsibilities. I think that's probably the simple, it's a broad definition, it's a general definition which I hope uh, carries with it the entire attitude that we should take. We have been given a task, we do not come up with the task, we have been assigned this calling by God, our Lord, our Master. And we're the ones who are then to carry it out in God's house the law, the precepts, the plan, the purpose that he has established for us. And that is that description we see here. If we look at the entirety of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in Paul's context, he says it like this. A person th should think of us in this way. He's saying, how should you, the Christians in Corinth, think of me and my ministry towards you? And anyway, those who would be spiritual leaders of God's people. He says, here it is. You should think of us this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. And so we see this, this aspect all pulled together. How do we understand the fact that we are stewards? We are given a task to be carried out on behalf of the owner. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So today I want to look at three. I know there could probably be four or five more. You're going, hey, I'd really like you to talk about this. If there's ever one like that, give me a call. Let's get together. Let's talk about it. I, I like to talk and have conversations. I get in trouble for that all, all the time. Talk too much and, and just don't stop. Like whenever the clock says you're supposed to stop for this service. And it's like, uh-oh, he went over. But if, if you look at this going, when I think of stewardship, what about this area? I'd, I'd love to have that conversation if we don't uh, hit on those. But I want to hit three of our less noticed stewardships. 
Uh, and, and yeah, I probably made up that last word. Stewardships is probably not a word, but go with me here. The first one is creation stewardship. Creation stewardship. You said, Scott, this is, what are you talking about? Well, I did sneak this one in on us early on. When we were talking about who established us being stewards, we said it was God. And that's the right answer. When did it take place? The first aspect of God describing us as stewards takes place, if you'll turn with me, to the front of the book, Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we begin in verse 26. Here the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so here, here we have described for us this aspect of stewardship in relationship to something that is immediately obvious to quite literally everybody. Believer and non-believer alike. We see this aspect. We live on something that exists outside of us. Creation. Now I know in general secular conversation, creation is not the necessary description. Although we talk about the beauty of creation. And that always makes me smile. Uh, especially when avowed uh, evolutionists talk about creation. Because to have a creation you have to have a creator. Uh, and so that's what makes me go, oh, that's really cute. Um, you don't believe that, but okay. But seeing creation, we are given a responsibility. Do you see the words that are used here? Beginning in, in verse 26, let us make men in our image that they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the, uh, of the sky, the livestock. Then down in verse 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature. And so we see this picture. This idea of us to rule is to rule in the place of the owner, to oversee, to, to have responsibility to do what? To take care of it. We cannot squander it. We cannot be uh, irresponsible in our use of creation. And just to tell on myself a little bit, maybe you grew up with it too. Maybe you just kind of assumed this. I grew up in, in a situation, especially in, in churches and stuff, where talking about creation stewardship was just something you, you just didn't do. And I don't know if it was an intentional antagonism, but I think it was a response toward the political climate in which we live. And creation stewardship was seen as environmentalism and almost the, re, the worship of creation in that respect. And while we would definitely say we do not worship the creation, we worship the creator. But to honor the creator, we should take care of his creation. To do other than that or say it's no big deal is to dismiss the calling God's given us. And I don't care to make it a political issue. I'm going to tell you it's a biblical issue. Now, do a lot of biblical issues end up having a political impact? Here's a real quick secret for you. Yep. 
but we don't start over here. We start over here with the Bible and we live and we want to influence and impact our culture, our politics and everything else. But we do it from starting with biblical faithfulness, not with starting is who is the coolest political party and then make the Bible fit that. I'm going to leave that there. Get back over here. Get away from the temptation to go and with that. Because look further. Uh, just Genesis 1, Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. To work it and to watch. That word watch over it is to keep it. We would say it, it's like to, to keep up your yard. Or to keep up your house. Oh, don't look at my house. To keep up your car. Yikes. Uh, there's trash on the floor and all that. You know. That's the idea. To keep it up. That is what the task that was given to humanity at creation. And I see nowhere in scripture where that has been. Okay, you're done with that now. There, there's nothing in Scripture that says we have been relieved of our stewardship of creation. So we must carry on. You say, but the earth and all this is passing away, but what about that? Yes, but faithfulness now is what is called of us to carry out. We're not just living for the then, we are living in the here and now. And whether we are alive or dead, we are the Lord's. We've talked about that already. And we're going, being dead, that's great. That's in heaven with you. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Being alive is the harder part a lot of times of our stewardship and our understanding of the blessing of the Christian life. And faithfulness, we ought to be the ones leading out as a good Boy Scout. We would go on adventures backpacking. We went to Philmont Scout Ranch in Cimarron, New Mexico. Oh, it was a great place. Have you ever been, Mark, to Zimron, to Philmont? Great place. Beautiful. If I heard it one time, I heard it a thousand times to the point where you get annoyed by it. Both our leaders and our guide would say this. As we hike this trail, you are to take only pictures and to leave only footprints. What was that? That is, take care of this area. Be responsible. Don't be abusive of creation. Hey, we ought to be the ones ready to say, we're leading out on this. We're leading out on this. We are to take care of those things that have been given to us. Creation is a pretty big deal in that respect. Next aspect, we talk about creation stewardship. I want to also talk for a moment about ministry stewardship. And that's what we find right here if we flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in verses 1 and 2. It says, a person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In verse 1. So what does ministry stewardship look like? How should we think of ourselves as ministers? And you're saying, Scott, you're not just talking to, to, to you or to just you and Jamie in this moment. Or you know, Thankfully, Roger's here. There's now three of us that can, oh, you guys are supposed to do this. Or, oh, let's say, you know, the deacons, we do ordain, okay, yeah, we need, oh, and let's just go ahead and we'll, we'll throw in Sunday school teachers, too, just for good. any youth leaders, all right, okay. Any other, we've talked about this. We are all gifted for service. 
That's another aspect of one of the healthy habits is that ministry calling, the service. That we, and as ministers of God, as Christians, in other words, we are to be servants and we are to be faithful. We are to be servants and we are to be faithful. The word servant here is a, actually a leadership servant role. It's different from a lot of the words that Paul would use. And the idea of faithful is the same word from which we get faith. It is that aspect of trusting, but it is also committing to that which has been given and saying the one who give, has given us this responsibility is worthy of our trust and therefore we will continue to carry out his call on our life. And this is in whatever cultural context we find ourselves. It's unfortunate, Roger, you came today. I keep picking on you as an example. I'm, I, no, I'm just like, you don't want your friend here? No, I'm, I'm glad they are here. Love hanging out with them. But we were just reminiscing very briefly a minute ago. He came what is now has to be over about 12 years ago for a missions conference we did. And within a year, he talked me into going clear overseas to this place in West Africa that I'd never even thought about in, in Senegal. And all of those aspects of, of that, that calling that, that we have been given and went to go help do discipleship, leadership development, the aspect of encouraging churches in that. And folks, while the same God is in Senegal in West Africa, the shape of that ministry is just a little bit different than what we do here. There's a lot that's the same. For the very essence of doing life together and worshiping together looks the same, whether you're sitting in a building like this or under a tree out in West Africa or in a cinder block building with no air conditioning in the town there that we were in. But the same God is there, is here, is in Europe, is in Asia, everywhere. And so it's going to look different in our context, but it is as timeless as the Bible itself and the God of this Bible. Same yesterday, today, and forever. What is our primary stewardship of ministry? It's right here in the Scripture. There's a lot that goes alongside it, but our primary stewardship is of the mysteries of God, of the mysteries of God. If today the power goes out, and I, I don't have anybody queued to go shut the power out right now, oh, what do we do, what do we do? That would disrupt our focus in worship. But you know what? Even without the lights, without the air, without the microphone on, we could still carry on. Now, in the culture in which we live, this is the expectation and this is the connection point. This is how we formulate our ministry and do so. There's nothing wrong with that. And so there's a stewardship of the resources that we have. But if the stewardship of the resources get in way of the stewardship of the ministry, we've got it wrong. Or say it the other way. If we're only thinking about the spiritual things and we don't do what we need to do with the resources we've been given, we are going to make it difficult, whether it is 
by our place here or like we talked about in Sunday school, our attitude towards others that are not about spiritual things, about relational things, then we are going to hinder our ministry effectiveness. The mysteries of God are beautifully described for us in first, the mysteries in First Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. It says this, and most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. If that's not good news, if that doesn't get us excited as stewards, then one, we, we, we need to recheck our connection point, recheck our charge. Or as my pastor in my college, they said, your wood is wet if that doesn't get you on fire. And that aspect of being given that privilege and that honor, the mysteries of God, is the good news of the gospel. It is right there for us. How do we deal with all of these things rightly? Well, there's a verse right ahead of verse 16 in 1 Timothy 3. 15 starts like this. If I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And I don't have time to preach or look through all of 1 Timothy up to chapter 3 at this point. But everything he has said is set forth. So how can they rightly steward their ministry? How can Timothy, as a pastor of a local church, a body of believers, how can he rightly steward his ministry? And so we have a lot of great information given to us so that we can carry on with this calling of the good News of the great commission and living out the great commandment. Our ministry stewardship is keeping the main thing, as another pastor said, the main thing. One final area I want to look at is one that was brought up Wednesday night, and it was kind of in the back of my mind. I went, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. I don't necessarily want to talk about it, but it's a good one. Health stewardship. Oof. If any of these hadn't stepped on your toes yet, I just want you to join me <laughs> at some point. Whether it's your, your ministry area, where it's thinking about creation and our responsibilities and leading. What about the stewardship of our health? Well, Paul addressed this too with this same church in Corinth. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a couple of verses that will sound very familiar. We usually read them in one other context, but listen to this. It says, beginning in verse 19, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. And that's a very intentional statement on Paul's part. You see, Paul was addressing a wrong belief in Corinth. There was this attitude within the culture that had gotten adopted by the church that what you did in your physical body didn't mean anything. And to spiritualize that or to quote Christianize that is, God saved us and that has to do with my spiritual stuff. Anything I do in my physical body has nothing to do with my being a Christian. I mean, is it any wonder then that they had such vile, rampant immorality in their church, and they were like, it's no big deal. This is one of the reasons why. They looked at that as, what does that have to do with anything? And so Paul was getting their attention there, but he was also talking about so much of that aspect. And so he says this, don't you know that your body, your body 
is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. And then he goes on to say, you were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. Being very intentional to say, your physical health, your physical body and what you do with it matters. And so, yeah, we would say, well, okay, yeah, when it comes to morality, yeah, I get that. When it comes to violence, sure, I don't want to go, you know, get in a fist fight with somebody because that would not be a good idea, a smart thing. That also carries with it, how do we handle our health, our healthiness? And you would say, hey, 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 wait, hey, wait, but what about? I always like thinking about the but what about because I'm the guy who likes to do that too. Hey, well, you're saying this, but doesn't the Bible also say, which is what? I want that get out of jail free card so I don't have to do this all the time, right? That's, that's where we think sometimes. But what, what, what about, what, about what, what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4? In verse 8, he says, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So Paul, isn't, isn't Paul really just saying, you know, the, the, your physical health and that kind of stuff, it eh, doesn't really matter. And the answer to that is no. It matters greatly. Because listen to what Paul says elsewhere. Same going back to Corinth here. In chapter 9, verse 27, here's what Paul says of himself. Instead, I discipline my body. And bring it under strict control, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Ouch. That is the point where any, I think any preacher, any pastor, who takes any time to look at himself says, how disqualified am I? How, how hard is that to maintain faithfulness there? And it is a challenge for us. If we think about our physical health, it's not a throwaway thing for us. We've been given this body to live for the glory of God. And how we treat it says something to others about what we believe about how God created us. Think about that for a minute. It's not just so I feel good or others will look at me and go, man, you are fit. All of that. And partly, for not, not for this reason, but for the, the challenge of this reason, it's time for me to get back in the gym. Get a little bit more consistent in my faithfulness and taking care of those things. Because when I was doing that, when we were doing that uh, a few years back and stuff, going to the gym like you know three or four times a week and, and eating more focused and healthy and wise and stuff, I felt fantastic. Even after getting done with the gym, it just it sounds oxymoronical. And I probably made up that word too. It sounds like it shouldn't make sense. You go to the gym and feel better. I should go to the gym and be like... <laughs> And there are those days, especially when you start back after having not been in a while. But building up that habit, that healthy habit uh, of physical exercise, is in much the same way of what Paul is saying here. That need for us to maintain that, and, and not just so that somebody else will pat us on the back, 
but so that we can show others that we believe God created us in His image, that God created us for a relationship with Him, for others, that God made us, like, like David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Part of that testimony says, and because I've been blessed, I need to take care of it. Now, we all face health challenges and issues and unexpected diseases and accidents and all that stuff. And all those things fit into this and are understandable in, in, in these different things. But we need to make sure we are not trying to opt out of a responsibility, but are doing everything we can to take care of this responsibility. When it comes to our physical health, because it's, it's amazing when, when I look at these things and, and, and think about these things, uh, just recently, uh, my mom was at, at her church, but the church I grew up going to had a reunion at their new church because the old church doesn't exist. That was more information than you needed. But a lot of our old friends were there. And by that, I mean my mom and dad's old friends because you know they're older than me. But our families and all of that kind of things. And I got to see... What was, and I tell mom, and she, she says, it was my third grade Sunday school teacher. He's now got to be somewhere in his 80s or 90s and has a, a number of health challenges, uh, uh, early onset, not early, but onset with dementia and some things and some other Parkinson's, these kind of health challenges. But he was there. He wasn't as inter- but. I had the chance to just kind of see his face and his smile, and it took me back to Sheridan Road Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 19-whatever it was, 1970 or 80-something. It had to be 70-something in that. And this man that God used for a bunch of us crazy third-grade boys and started pointing us to Christ in the Scriptures. And he's still out doing what he can, where he can, and others. And I'm so thankful for those within our church who have gone down the road ahead of us. Those of you who we would call our senior adults and are still showing us an example of biblical faithfulness. We need that, and I hope to be able to continue to do that myself as long as God gives me opportunity. Because when we start talking about these healthy habits, stewardship, and these other areas that we may not talk about, what we're ultimately talking about is kingdom stewardship. I love that word, kingdom stewardship. I've become a huge fan of uh, Tony Evans in recent years, and everything he does is kingdom-oriented. And I'm like, you know what? That's, that's smart. I think I'm just going to follow that example. You know, talk about being a kingdom man, kingdom woman. We need to be a kingdom church. We need to be a kingdom citizen. We need to be kingdom stewardship because that's kingdom living above all. You see, we were taught to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my kingdom come, my will be done. Not the community's kingdom come, not the nation's kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the basic bottom line, regardless of the culture and the time in which we live, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we've used before in other areas. It's wonderful how all these habits tend to mesh and intermingle together and hold together. You would think they would interweave that they are so tight that there's a unity to them. (laughs) And there is. 
And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we read, And whatever you do, I think that encompasses everything. Whatever, everything. In everything you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's our call. That's our responsibility. Whether we're looking at our finances, whether we're looking at our time, whether we're thinking about all the aspects of our life, whether we're thinking about creation in this world in which God has given us to live, we're thinking about our ministry, how God has called us and, and equipped us and shaped us to fulfill his kingdom's purposes and will for our life and for all of, all of time and, and how we all fit into that beautiful picture and then our health and living so that we show that we believe what God said is true in everything. In everything that we think, that we say, that we do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. How do we be a good steward? Do everything in Jesus' name. www.claybap.org